coming here ever since 1946, when the scientists first started bouncing radar beams off of the moon. Welcome to episode 541 of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear. This is Monster Kid Radio. I am your writer, host, producer, Derek Kim Cook, and you are listening to the song Syntax Radio. It's from the band Black Transmitter. It's from their album In It, Signal Return. It's actually an EP, and I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, or you can just go straight to blacktransmitter.bandcamp.com to check it out. They've given us permission to play their music on the show here in the past, so I thought we'd revisit them and play another one of their songs. I really like this one. You'll get to hear it in its entirety, uninterrupted, at the end of this episode of the podcast. And what is happening on this episode of the podcast? This is a feedback special. What we're doing is we're going to be going through a bunch of voicemails and some emails that I've had building up here. I did put the call out for some as well, and we're going to go through all of those. I've got a number of things to go over and we'll talk about that and then you know i know i recently did something similar to this not too long ago i'm going to go ahead and do it again because there have been some changes in my life that will impact monster kid radio but hopefully as smoothly or seamlessly as possible and i'll talk about that at the end of the show but before we get too far into anything i want to take a second to talk about rico browning now uh, rico browning is the last living classic universal monster uh, he played the Gill Man in three Creature from the Black Lagoon films, and he's not doing so great. His daughter actually reached out to Ron Adams of Monster Bash to let him know that Mr. Browning's not doing very well. And I know that it's been making the rounds. Uh, even Pee Wee Herman posted about it on Instagram. I'm going to make sure that the address, if you wanted to send him a card or a letter, is posted on the Monster Kid Radio website over at monsterkidradio.net. So if you want to send him a letter or a card, uh, thanking him, giving him encouragement, wishing him well, wishing to get well, whatever, go ahead and do that. You know, it's the least that we can do for somebody who's given us so much. You know, I've met him several times now over the years. First at a Crypticon Seattle, and then I got a chance to meet him numerous times at Monster Bash. He's just a generous guy, so giving with his time, so patient with the fans, and I really hope um, for nothing but the best for the man. So I'll make sure the address, like I said, is posted on the website over at monsterkidradio.net. So yeah, there's that. Um, other news, I'll go ahead and mention it now in the Monster Kid Movie Club. We're going to be showing John Agar films this Saturday over at twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. Movies start around noon. There's a pre-show at 11 a.m. That's all Pacific time. It's free to watch, and there's a live chat that goes nonstop through the whole thing. So, you know, if you ain't got nothing else going on on Saturday, or even if you do, change your plans and come watch some John Agar goodness with us in the Monster Kid Movie club so that'll be coming up here on saturday i want to go ahead and dive into the voicemails and the emails so we're going to get to all of that but of course 
We've got Kenny's Look at Famous Monsters of Filmland coming up, and Mark Massey's Beta Capsule Review. I do want to mention something that Mark mentioned in the Beta Capsule Review. You know, he sends me an email every week with a link to the file to download, and he made a comment hoping that everything had been worked out with my roof situation. For those of you who follow me on Facebook, I talked about this. I woke up early, early Monday morning, actually over the weekend, take that back, over the weekend to water dripping from the roof. <laughs> oh man, that was not fun. Um, dealt with the property management company proper on Monday and uh, those phone calls could have gone better. I was pretty upset and I guess I just wanted more insurances than what she was giving me regarding when this would be resolved. My understanding is that it's been taken care of now. And by taken care of, I mean they went up onto the roof and put down some blue tarp, which is what they had to begin with. There just was a windstorm that blew the wind free, allowing the water from the rain to get into the holes in the roof. It's been like that for over a year. That's awesome, right? Like I said, I think it's been dealt with. We'll find out during the next rain. So I'm doing okay. No damage to any of my property. The bed's fine. Um, you know, there, there might have been some damage done to the unit that I live in itself, but that's not my responsibility. That's theirs. Thanks for asking, Mark. I appreciate it. I know a lot of people were asking about it on Facebook, too. All right, let's go ahead and get into these awesome segments, and then we'll get into the feedback and all of that right after this. I am Dr. Lee Cushing. Welcome to my Chamber of Horrors. Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors is a monster rally novel in the tradition of the classic Universal and Hammer horror film. It's written by Stephen D. Sullivan, the award-winning author of White Zombie, Daikaiju Attack, Manos the Hands of Fate, and one of the creators of the original chill role-playing game. This book recreates the thrills of the classic monster versus monster film. We've got vampires, werewolves, mummies, psychic twins, scheming madmen, Plenty of unexpected chills. Now you can get Dr. Cushing's Chamber of Horrors in print or for Kindle at Amazon.com and other fine retailers. Coming soon in other ebook formats. Find out more at CushingHorrors.com or SDSullivan.com and support Steve's work through Patreon at PaySteve.com. I do hope you've enjoyed your visit. Please come again and remember the chamber is always waiting for its next victim. The only good human is a dead human! The bizarre world you met on the planet of the apes was just the beginning. What lies beneath may be the end. 20th Century Fox takes you beneath the planet of the apes. This is the year 3955 AD. The apes are building a war machine aimed at planet domination. Superhuman mutants strike back with new and terrifying weapons of the mind. In the atomic rubble of what was once the city of New York, civilization's final battle is about to begin. The only good human is a dead human! Beneath the planet of the apes, with James Franciscus, Kim Hunter, Maurice Evans, Linda Harrison, and Charlton Heston, can a world long endure half ape, half man? The answer lies deep beneath the planet of the apes in color rated g general audiences come 
on the most fantastic and terrifying journey of your life, 4,000 miles into the center of the Earth, to a world within our world, at the Earth's core. Now, American International Pictures curls you at supersonic speeds with Doug McClure and Peter Cushing to a world peopled by creatures beyond your wildest nightmares. The Mosops, whose fiery breath withers trees and plants. The vicious Mayhars, bird women who feed on human flesh. The giant Boz, lizard-like behemoths with poison fangs. The cruel Sagoths, animal-faced soldiers of Pellucidar, ruled by the Princess Dia, whose seductive beauty can drive men mad. Come on the most incredible voyage ever dared by man. Edgar Rice Burroughs at the Earth's Core. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Live from the Land of Light in Nebula M78, home of the mighty Ultra Heroes, it's Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review. Stakes could not be higher as the mysterious comet Cephon approaches in Ultraman's 25th episode. Professor Iwamoto, played by Akihiko Hirata, hypothesizes that a direct hit from the comet would vaporize the Earth. When computer models suggest a near miss, the sense of relief is dashed by reports of a comet-generated cosmic ray that could cause hydrogen bombs to self-destruct. Following up on rumors of missing bombs, the science patrols Hayata, Arashi, and Ide head to the Japanese Alps as the comet passes, apparently without incident. But on a high mountain ridge, they are confronted by abominable Kaiju Gigas, followed by flying monster Doriko, which emerged from the comet Siphon. Hayata manages to lure the Titans into fighting one another, but it's another short-lived victory. Ide's hydrogen bomb detector wails to life just as Red King explodes from a nearby mountainside. The creature, having swallowed the missing H-bombs, is a walking apocalypse and is spoiling for a fight. After Red King savagely defeats Doriko, the science patrol senses their chance to act with Hayata cheating death to become Ultraman for a final battle among the snow-capped peaks. The mysterious comet Siphon represents the show firing on all cylinders, but refusing to settle into predictability. One threat piles on top of another. There's not just one monster or two, but three. Both the Science Patrol and Ultraman display heretofore unseen fighting capabilities, and the Alpine scenery proves to be an ideal backdrop for a kaiju battle royale. Sprinkle in some poignant dialogue and humorous moments, and you have a perfect Ultraman brew. Just make sure it isn't Fuji who's serving it to you. For Monster Kid Radio's Beta Capsule Review, this is Mark Matsky reporting. call this producer's privilege but i wanted to cut in here real quick and just say red king one of my absolute favorite ultraman kaiju that's all thanks mark
Hello there, Monster Kid Radioheads. This is Kenny with a look at Famous Monsters of Filmland. Today, Derek is sharing feedback from you Radioheads. I want to take this opportunity to start a series called Famous Monsters Low Tech Social Media. As I have been producing these segments over the years, I have noticed how much FFM was dedicated to building a community of monster kids. FM provided many ways to share feedback and get your name in the magazine. It all started after the first issue with the first letter section in issue two, which became a regular feature in every issue till the end. Let's take a look at some of the early letters. First, an introduction to the letter department, a pun-filled affair. Dear Monster, Letters are the lifeblood of this magazine. Thank you for your correspondence. Missives and missiles, fan mail and pan mail, were received by ambulance and hearse on the first issue. By Carrier Bat and Werewolf Express, they came. By Special Delivery, Spooknik, Flying Saucer, and Jet Propelled Ouija Board. Ghost written, of course. We would give you a cross-section of the letters received, except that, happily, most of the letters were not cross. Now, the first letter published, typical of the praise for FM1 and readers' attempts to match the corny humor. Wolf Fan, I am sitting in a cold, dark dungeon and writing this to you by the light of the full moon. I must write this quickly as my ears have already begun to grow pointed and furry and soon I must tell you that my joy knows no bounds. How we monsters have awaited the day when a magazine such as this would arrive. I bayed at the moon for two hours after I read it. I particularly enjoyed out-of-this-world monsters. Love them photos. There are enough science fiction mags on the stands now. Let's have more about monsters, Karloff, Lugosi, Cheney Sr. and Jr. I am 300 years old and a male monster. You must continue with this project. Make Monsters of Filmland a monthly. I would surely subscribe. I, uh, I would like to write more the moot, my hands, my face. Oh! You write very maturely for a monster of a mere 300. By the way, if you would like to subscribe for the next 200 years, we have a special reduced rate for juveniles under 500. Here's an interesting one from the staff of an iconic magazine. Screams from Mad. On behalf of the members of the Mad staff, a soul-searing shriek of appreciation for the grand job you did on Famous Monsters. We love it, especially the photo captions. In fact, the whole magazine reflects an enlightened, wholesome, and thought-provoking attitude on the subject of monsters. We're all looking forward to another issue from your black pit. Best wishes to you and your swarming, teeming staff of nameless beings swim in the greenish half-light of publishing from the clods at Mad. This is the first of many contributions by a famous writer. The identification of the unknown Lon Chaney picture on page 14 of your first issue is a blind bargain, which also seems to have been called the Octave of Claudius, released in 1922. Incidentally, congratulations on a terrific job. A real valentine from start to finish. Robert Block Thank you, Mr. Block. It is an honor indeed to receive praise from such a distinguished monster lover. Editor's Note Internationally famous Robert Block is the author of scores of weird mystery and movie stories and himself one of the leading experts on the history of fantastic films. We received many later letters correctly identifying the mystery picture of Lon Chaney, 
but for being the first, Mr. Block is awarded his choice of a weekend in Frankenstein's laboratory with a do-it-yourself kit and all hospital expenses paid or a luxurious yacht cruise on the Black Lagoon or the chance to escort Dracula's daughter to the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Bats annual dance. FM did not shy away from negative letters, often providing scathing feedback. They hate us. This magazine is being discussed hereabouts as Ackerman's Folly. Publisher's note, Editor Ackerman personally received over 700 letters from monster lovers all over the world, praising him for his great piece of work on our first issue. He received only one letter above of the sour grapes variety from a reader who is obviously familiar with Ackerman's reputation as America's number one science fiction fan, and who obviously disapproves of famous monsters of filmland. Oh well, as Frankenstein said to the skeleton, to each his bone. In future installments, we will look at the famous Monsters fan club, You Asked For It, The Graveyard Examiner, and other features in the magazine that helped connect monster kids so they knew that they were not alone. That is all for this week's look at famous monsters of filmland. We will have more soon for MKR. This is Kenny saying adios. Kenny, I loved the dramatic reading of that first letter. Spot on. And I love the idea of this new segment. Thanks again, man. Stop. Stop. You can't escape this shattering emotional experience that takes its place with the screen's most distinguished classics, that dares explore uncharted realms of exciting wizardry, that will ignite a storm of controversy with its strength and candor, Robert Block, author of Psycho, creates a new masterpiece of suspense. The Cabinet of Caligari. <coughs> Starring Glynis Johns, a girl alone in a house of terror. And Dan O'Hurley as Caligari. Spying, peeping, it's cowardly, vicious. I was completely vulnerable in my bath. My bath, my house, my sphere. And you are my guest. Guest? We both know I'm a prisoner behind locked gates. Psycho had it. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde had it. Rebecca had it. And now the cabinet of Caligari brings a new... Shocking impact to the screen. What are you thinking now? Tell me now. What are you feeling? Tell me, now, now, look at me. What does it feel like not to have any feeling? Go ahead, look at me. I wish the whole house were here, all of them, not to see me, to see you. You may loathe him, acclaim him, accept him, reject him. But you'll talk about Caligari for months to come. Psychopath, psychopath, six he must slay. 
crushing the first in a devilish way. Psychopath, psychopath, five is a game of violent death with a scorching flame. Psychopath, psychopath, leaving no clue. What man can guess what next you will do? Looks like another case of looking for a needle in a haystack, sir. That dog's our needle. Psychopath, psychopath, a tortured scream before the knife's descending gleam. Psychopath, psychopath, poisons the game for the man who knows your unknown name. Psychopath, psychopath, still on the loose, bearing the hangman's deadly noose. So there was one. Will it do? None, sir. Psychopath, psychopath. Ominous fright. Threats of sticks of dynamite. Days without end of warning so chill. If you don't kill tonight, then tomorrow you will. This is the voice of a woman dreaming of her lover. Please, darling, pull me close. I love you so much. And this, a woman having a nightmare. Let me out! What are dreams? What do they mean? When you dream, you wander into another world where everything is strange and terrifying. When you dream, you too become a nightwalker. The Nightwalker brings Robert Taylor and Barbara Stanwyck together again in the film shocker of the year. Yes, I do have a lover. Tell me his name. I wish to God I could, but he's only a dream. And now, a warning from producer William Castle. Our new picture, The Nightwalker, may force you to dream of things you're ashamed to admit. If you can't stand your own dreams, don't see The Nightwalker. The Nightwalker. So we're going to go through the uh, written feedback first. And the first email that I want to go over is just real quick. It's from Agent Tarvis. He's somebody who crashes the party over at the Monster Kid Movie Club and Monster Kid Astronomy Club. Always awesome to see him in there. And he sent me a link letting me know about the Big Fathom events this year to celebrate the 90th anniversary of Frankenstein. Fathom events is bringing in... Oh, man. Frankenstein and Dracula as a double feature on October 2nd in various movie theaters. Now, he goes on to say that he is trying to decide if he feels it's safe to go, and he hopes I'm doing well. I'm doing pretty good. Talk about that here in a bit. And, yeah, I don't know if I feel really safe about going to the movies either. 
Uh, actually, uh, I'll, well, I'll talk about that in a little bit here too. So stay tuned for that. But thanks for the heads up on that. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes to that announcement about Fathom events. Because if you have a Fathom events in your area and you feel safe and it is safe, man, seeing these movies on the big screen, it's amazing. We're going to move on to an email that came in from Dennis B about episode 537. I wanted to let you know that the Weird Wednesday episode got me right in the feels. It was probably your best episode yet. Oh, thanks, man. I live in Tucson, Arizona and have an art theater, the Loft Cinema, here that played Mondo Mondays. They have theme months. One month is John Carradine. Another might be Herschel Gordon Lewis or Cynthia Rothrock films. There's (laughs) two different types of films I would never, ever put close together. Uh, Wow. Uh, There was never a bad Mondo Monday experience, even as many of the movies were terrible. Thank you for having an episode that brought back that memory for me. And it is a memory at present. The film tickets were always two bucks, and it was always packed. As a result, even though The Loft has reopened, they are playing it safe with major releases and not doing anything that won't make a ton of money on. Uh, I am sure Mondo will be back, and I hope you are able to return to Weird Wednesday sooner rather than later. My wife and I go to the cinema every week. We wear masks and only buy tickets at showings that are empty or have less than five total people. (laughs) We we check. Wow. Um, That's actually a really good idea. We check about 15 minutes before showtime and rush down there. After the movie, we discuss it at dinner. Every once in a while, we invite a friend and that changes the dynamic in a good way. I probably just misread that. I'm not going to go back to re-edit that, but I stumbled over my words. My apologies, Sennis. Movies mean the world to me, and you do such a great job discussing them. I'm happy I happened upon your podcast a few years ago. Well, I'm happy you did, too, and I'm happy you're still listening, that you're still here, and having that kind of movie night, date night vibe where you go to the movies and the discuss it over, that just sounds awesome. That just sounds like a lot of fun. And, yeah, it definitely, not just the discussion of the film, but the enjoyment of a film or the experience of watching the film can change depending on who you're with, whether it's a loved one or a friend or whatever. That just sounds cool uh, that you were able to do that on the regular. And, you know, unfortunately, the Joy Cinema, uh, there's no way for me to check ahead of time how many people are going to be there. I don't know if any of the theaters around here, some of the theaters around here have to have that option. I would think. Huh. And did I know you're from Tucson? I was born in Tucson. That's awesome. Have you been to the old Tucson studios or whatever it's called? I keep meaning to to visit every time I go down to visit my family. I haven't gone down in a while because of COVID and, you know, telling my mom I'm not going to go visit her until she gets her vaccination, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, (laughs) um, That's cool, though, that there's something down there for something like that. Cynthia Rothrock and H.G. Lewis Films. Oh, I kind of want to see the two of them mixed together, but the idea kind of terrifies me. Thanks for writing in. I appreciate it. And that weird Wednesday episode, you know, I was kind of panicking. I didn't really have anything lined up and I thought, you know, I'll try to make a whole episode out of this and I'm glad it worked for you. I really appreciate it. All right. Then we've got an email here from Ed S. Derek, first, the obligatory, take care of yourself. Don't be scared to take a week off to recharge the batteries. You can either rerun an old episode and call it a best of, or maybe have a guest host for the week. Steve Sullivan or Scott Morris are obvious choices. You've also had on guests who are either current or former podcasters. They could fill in for you too. Just a thought. Um, you know, I, I hadn't considered asking somebody to just do an episode. I, I wonder how that might work. Interesting idea. Huh? Second, I listen to your podcast at work on headphones. I haven't noticed the air conditioner or the fans, so you've done a great job with the noise filters. (laughs) Thanks. 
I live in Richmond, Virginia, and it's crazy that your summer was so much hotter than mine. I think we reached 100 once so far. Also, the record high temperature set in Portland a couple weeks ago is higher than the record high for Richmond. Global warming indeed. All right, so this email actually came in in mid-August. So, yeah, that back then it was brutal. Finally, I loved this episode. Now, this is in regards to episode 535. This was the... Uh, behind the scenes kind of making of episode. It was great listening to you think through your production schedule, production, production schedule. (laughs) Uh, It's fun to get a peek behind the curtain. You can make it a quarterly segment of the show. Just talking about the equipment, the challenges like using Skype, the editing software, etc. People sometimes don't realize the amount of work it takes to make a quality podcast like monster kid radio. Your commitment to audio excellence really shows in each episode. Derek, thank you so much for all your hard work, your time, and your passion. I can't tell you how much I appreciate all you do on the podcast, the live stream, and online for us monster kids. We're very blessed to have you bringing us all together. You deserve a room full of Rondo Hattons for all you've done. Your loyal listener, Ed. Uh, P.S. I originally mistyped Scott's last name as Morrissey. Now all I can think about is Scott doing parodies of Morrissey songs. Maybe we can make it a part of the live stream. Well, you'll have to talk to Scott about that. As far as doing a regular, uh, like a quarterly episode or segment of the show about the making of Monster Kid Radio, I could see doing something like that. I could see that happening. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if that's something that I could do on the podcast or something I could move over to YouTube, but I could see something like that happening for sure. Uh, there are going to be some changes happening to Monster Kid Radio, uh, some pretty big changes, actually. Uh, hopefully it'll be se- pretty seamless, but you know, I'll talk about that too once we get there. Uh, And as far as the filters go, I haven't listened to to this recording yet because obviously I'm just now recording it, but my computer's been making a lot of noise lately, this kind of sound. Uh, And that's something that's happened recently, started happening recently as I run my various video enhancer programs here. I'm doing my absolute best to make the movie Night Fright look as good as I possibly can for the Monster Kid Movie Club this weekend over on Twitch. I know that most of the transfers out there are dark and murky and just don't look the greatest. I don't know a lot about this AI program that I'm using, but I'm trying my best and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that what I'm doing now will make it look a little bit better come Saturday. But because it's running and constantly running in the background, again, there's that sound. It sounds like somebody typing keys really fast on an old style cash register on my end. Like I said, I'm going to try to filter it out. Uh, This program that I use to enhance these movies, it can take anywhere from two days to a few hours. And let's see, I've had this Night Fright running for about five hours so far. I've got about four hours left on it. So yeah, it takes a lot of resources. And I probably ought to figure out why my computer makes all those noises while it's processing. Maybe I'll save that for a quarterly behind-the-scenes episode or segment. And, you know, I'm thankful that everybody out there is, you know, there for me uh, to produce content for. So thank you. And I would sign myself off as your loyal uh, content provider, provider, broadcaster, producer. I don't know. Loyal monster. You know what? I'm just a monster kid, just like you guys and gals and everybody else. occult world of necromancy you were brought here for one 
purpose, necromancy. A ceremony dating back to the pre-Christian era. It's the art of reviving the dead. It requires involvement with evil spirits by the person performing the act. The devil god brings life to the dead. No, 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 please, no, please. And death to the living. Necromancy, starring Orson Welles and Pamela Franklin. From Cinerama releasing, in color, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Welcome to the crypt. You are invited on a guided tour of a world of darkness, where nightmares become reality. Death lives. Death lives in Tales from the Crypt. The Vault of Horror is about to open. You will learn its terrifying secrets if you dare. Tales from the Crypt from Cinerama Releasing. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Some material may be unsuitable for pre-teenagers. Out of the darkness of the ancient past, out of the dust of centuries and the inscrutable silence of the unknown, come two new adventures in shock and suspense on one sensational motion picture program. The, the Mummy. Mummy. Plus Curse of the Undead. Fear will freeze you when you face the mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. Wakened from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it stalks the earth with strangely human desires. The mummy. And on the same program, Curse of the Undead. The haunting story of a faceless fiend who drained the young and beautiful of life. Together on one program, Curse of the Undead, and in chilling technicolor, The Mummy. Hey, Derek. Hey, group. Captain Billy here. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You did, you did, uh, let's kill Uncle. Oh, my God. Why didn't you say something ahead of time? I love this movie. I fell in love with this movie back in the 70s. Uh, Houlihan and Big Chuck are our local, one of our local, uh, you know, in Cleveland, we had three local uh, horror host shows every week. So I am, I, I know very, a lot of you are very jealous of that. So Houlihan and Big Chuck were the big two. They were on Friday nights. And, yeah, I think they showed Let's Kill Uncle about once every month or so in the 70s. Seems like it was always on. But they probably showed it two or three times a year at least. And I loved it as a kid because for me to be interested as a kid, I had a a movie or a television show. I had to have a kid in it. I loved the Brady Bunch and um, Courtship of Eddie's Father because there were kids in the f shows. So, yeah, when Let's Kill Uncle came on, that was one of my favorite movies they used, to, they used to show. So, yeah, I fell in love with it way back then. And it was a really hard movie to find. I don't think it ever came out. I, if it came out on a proper videotape release, I never saw it. And, again, when DVDs came around, they, I finally ended up picking up uh, – it was a great – let's just say it was a questionable – the guy who uh, sold it to me said he got the, the print came off of, uh, it was a videotape, it came off of uh, six, an 8-millimeter copy, or two 8-millimeter copies, he had it glued together. So yeah, it was a, a complicated, and it was very scratchy and very, uh, but yeah, he watched, that was the print I had back in the, the 90s. 
And yeah, you couldn't find it on DVD, and eventually I found it online. I think it was that same scratchy print I had on VHS. God, I love this movie so much. So I bought the Blu-ray. I just stumbled across it at Kino Lorber um, back last year when somebody, either this show or the movie cast, said that Curse of the Undead was coming out on Blu-ray, and I ran over to Kino Lorber, and it just happened to be having a holiday sale. Uh, I know some of the movies were 50% off, some were 40%, but I know I picked that up. Uh, so I picked up Let's Kill Uncle and about, uh, oh, God, probably five or six other films, too. And I finally got around, because you guys did the show, I finally broke the cellophane on it and finally sat down and watched it. Gorgeous, gorgeous 2K print, just spotless and beautiful. Kino Lover does do an excellent job on their films. So I watched, there's a 15-minute uh, doc with Pat Curdy on the disc. One of the few of the highlights, he said, that he felt the film would have worked better as a television movie. That, you know, TV movies being made by major studios were a thing at the time. He thinks it would have been played better on television. Because when it did come out, it came out as a second bill with The Plainsman. And Pat feels the movie was kind of buried and abandoned. And a lot of places just played for one week and it was gone. And the studio kind of just dumped it. So for whatever reason, the studio, I don't think the studio was comfortable with this film from the beginning. Uh, I do know on the uh, commentary or on the Pat Cardi interview that William Castle had a fight to get Pat Cardi in the film. He was under contract. Uh, Universal for a seven-year contract. William Castle was all for having Pat in the film. The casting director uh, loved him, and William loved him, but for some reason the studio was against him. I got the feeling that from watching the commentary and, the, and everything, I got the feeling the studio just wasn't happy with the film in the first place. They wanted it family-friendly. They changed the ending. Uh, yeah, a lot of problems. I think somebody at the studio just decided to just dump this thing and get rid of it. I'm assuming that you know William was under a contract or something, and. You had to make a film, and this is the, I, again, this is the impression I get. I don't know if this is all true, but in fact, the, in the commentary, they mentioned that William Castle doesn't even mention this movie in his autobiography. So back to Pat's interview, uh, he had a bit of a crush on Mary when he met her, so he had a bit of a crush on time. And they're both 13 or 14-year-olds playing 12, and the casting director is John Badham. John Badham, the director of Saturday Night Fever, among other films was the casting director at Universal, and he ended up casting his sister, and admitted, later he admitted it was pure nepotism for putting Mary in the film. But yeah, he also found Pat, and he loved Pat. He called William Castle and said, I found your Barnaby. So ah, now, dumb luck has it that uh, Pat Cardi showed up at a Cinema Wasteland, which is the local horror convention here in Cleveland, and I was just reading the description of who was at the, the convention that year, and it says Pat Cardi, and it says, let's kill Uncle, oh my God. And then I read along, and it also says he's also, also in Horror High, and that's another film I've loved since I was a kid. Horror High is also called Twisted Brain. Uh, at some point, the title was changed, I'm guessing, for television. And Twisted Brain is a much better title, because it gives you a, it's just a much, come on, give me a break, it's a better title. What happens is, that, I guess, it's on Hyde High School, story in high school, but it's very gory. Remember the good old days? when you could pick up television channels from other cities on good, clear summer days. So I picked up Channel 20 out of Detroit, Windsor, I believe it was. I know it was Canadian. And I'm watching this film, and the kills in the film are horrendously gory for television. I mean, this was the early 80s, so like 81, 82, I saw this film. I was like 13, 14 years old. Oh, and it burned itself in my brain, and I never realized... The guy from Let's Kill Uncle was also the lead guy in, in Twisted Brain. I was like, my brain melted when I saw that on the description of Cinema Wasteland. So, yes, I definitely went to the show, and I talked to Pat for a good 20 minutes or more. I asked Pat how he felt having to carry the film. He is in almost every scene. There's a few scenes. I, I just watched it again. I think there's two or three scenes he's not in, but he is 
honest, and he's he's carrying the movie, in my opinion. I mean, as much as you think it's Nigel Green and all that, but I mean, the weight of the film is on him. He is in every scene. And I asked him, okay, you were like 13 years old, didn't this like you're working with a major Hollywood director for like Universal? He said William Castle was one of his favorite directors, or his absolute favorite director, if I don't remember which. I said, did this scare you? Did you were you intimidated at all having to carry this a major motion picture? I mean, William Castle. I said, no, no, he didn't think anything of it. It was just another another job. He had already been a child actor for years, and it never even, didn't even occur to him that this was a bigger deal than anything he had done before. That surprised me. He still talks to Mary Batham. They are still friends, you know, 50 years later. Uh, Mary makes a living now, or part-time living, I'm not sure, but he says she makes a living uh, going around the schools talking about To Kill a Mockingbird. That's her gig now. So her and uh, Pat are friends still, and she, I guess, Pat told her about coming to the Wasteland and doing conventions, and Mary told him not to shell yourself short. You know, this was kind of, kind of insinuating that conventions were beneath him. And Pat was said, look, I'm driving Uber right now. Anybody who wants me, if he was interested in me, I'm willing to listen. So, so yeah, but yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite, favorite, favorite movies. I wish I had known about this sooner. So, uh, again, great show. Derek, keep up the good work, and I'll talk to you later. Captain Billy, so good to hear from you. Thank you for calling in and sharing your thoughts and everything about this film. This movie, Let's Kill Uncle, completely unplanned. It was one of these situations where Steve had mentioned it to me, Steve Turek, that is, and I had a gap in scheduling and everything just kind of didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And and it wasn't anybody's fault. It just life happens. And Steve was willing to do this. So yeah, it was one of those things that we just kind of did last minute, spur of the moment. Didn't really give people a big heads up about it. You know, having spent some time away from the movie now, having watched it a few weeks ago and talked about it here on the show, it's one of those things that I am starting to really develop some fond feelings for that movie. And I totally get it, what you're saying about being younger and then watching a movie where the younger characters or the kids are the ones carrying the story, carrying the movie. Or in my case in particular, whenever I watch a movie with some younger characters doing these things and being in situations that I either found myself in similar situations to or wish I was in situations like that, um, you know, I end up developing that kind of instant nostalgia as well. And I think this is one of those movies that would hold up, even if it is something that you like as a kid. It's not just nostalgia you're looking back at it with. It's it's a solid film with some solid performances. And Pat Carty, you're right, he does carry the movie. And it's just phenomenal. And Mary Batham is great, too. I remember watching it to Kill a Mockingbird in... Junior high school, I think. I don't know if I've watched it since then. It was one of those class project things. You know, we read the book and then watched the movie. I should probably go back and rewatch it because I remember really enjoying it over. Um, you know, maybe, maybe I didn't. I don't know. It's one of those ones that I feel like I need to go back and rewatch. And you talking about the Blu-ray definitely makes me think it's one that I'd like to add to my collection. <laughs> I did some digging while I was listening to your voicemail, and it doesn't look like it ever had an official DVD release. This Blu-ray release might be the first time it's made available uh, digitally for the home market. I didn't see any listings for a VHS. I, I looked and I dug and I didn't see anything there. So for whatever reason, this is one that Universal just kind of sat on and didn't do anything with. I'm a little surprised that Universal 
didn't push to see it get released when there was that William Castle box set that came out several years ago. Not that it could have been included in that release because that wasn't a universal release, but I would think that if a studio has a film by a particular filmmaker or actor or something like that, then they know that that actor or director is getting a box set or a big release somewhere else. You know, to try to piggyback off of that, you'd think you'd want to release it as well. But, you know, it's one of those movies, like you said, Universal just didn't seem to think too highly of it back then. And for whatever reason, didn't think so now. And this is one of the things that I love about Kino Lorber in particular. Kino Lober, Lober? Lorber? Yeah, I can't read. Kino. (laughs) Kino has been putting out some amazing releases. I feel like a lot of the quote-unquote prestige pictures have already gotten their time in the blu-ray sun and what i mean by that is like these modified classics uh the stuff that you see coming out from criterion overall the stuff that you see coming from early kino things like that great i'm glad they're out there but now that they're all out there now it's time to start scraping the bottom of the mainstream barrel, which is the cream of the crop for us genre fans, right? So you see Kino putting out all this amazing stuff. You see Criterion putting out the Godzilla and Night of the Living Dead and things like that. And I love it. And I know there are companies out there as well that focus solely on the genre stuff and the exploitation and all that. And I was just talking with Steve Sullivan last night about how much I really, 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 really want to get my hands on the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray release of Cthulhu Mansion. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's really bottom of the barrel. Anyway, as far as this movie goes, let's kill uncle. I highly recommend it. There is a link in the show notes for people to pick it up and get it from Amazon through our Amazon affiliate link horror high. I still have never seen. And honestly, when Steve Turek was bringing it up during our conversation, I immediately went to return to horror high. I didn't realize horror high was an actual movie. I thought return to horror high was the original film and it just had a clever title because it was kind of a, isn't it kind of a comedy ish? I I don't know. I've never seen it. The William Castle autobiography I own, but I haven't read. It's one of those things that I keep meaning to get around to, but over the past at least nine months, most of my books have been in boxes and I know that's one that's been, kind of boxed away. I should dig it out and give it a read here soon. Or when I get to where I can unpack, I'll read it at that point. We'll see. Like I have a, <laughs> a dirt, <laughs> like I don't have enough books to read right now. Right. And having grown up with multiple horror hosts, I'm jealous. Anytime anybody says they had one horror host growing up, you having a few dude, Super jealous. I'm going to have to live vicariously through your horror host memories. Thank you for calling in. I really appreciate it, Captain Billy. Uh, I love it when you call in uh, because you're always so careful to make sure that right before that three-minute mark hits (laughs) at the end of the voicemail allotment, you go ahead and end the call, call right back, and pick right back up. Uh, In fact, I loved the second, because this was three calls. This was three calls that I merged into one. And I loved that in the second one, you're like even doing a little countdown to give yourself some breathing. It was perfect. It made my job so much easier. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I appreciate you, man. Hey, Derek. This is Eric, a long time listener yeah i just uh, had to call after listening to the top three lovecraftian uh, movies with you and uh, chris and Millen. wonderful episode um always love hearing chris i've never met you guys but been listening to you for a while feels like i know you i recently uh, was married and uh, i now have uh, 
two stepsons, one of whom is preteens, and I'm a teacher, and he comes to the same school with me, so every morning, driving to school, he gets to hear Monster Kid Radio, <laughs> and he's really gotten into it, and just had to share that with you. It's, you know, one of the great things about your show is, you know, with all the stuff and the difficulties going on in the world, for, you know, an hour and a half a week, I can just escape, you know, and just listen to you talk about monster movies and all the great things in life, you know. And we all need that. We need that escapism. And it's, you know, the younger generations, here's a 13-year-old who who's hearing all these movies. Uh, in this case, uh, the one that stood up most to us was The Haunted Palace. Great movie. I haven't seen it forever. And I told him, yeah, we need to see that. And, um, you know, he's loving the uh, the Universal Monsters, and you will truly appreciate the creature for the Black Lagoon is probably his favorite. He keeps going back between the creature and the Wolfman, but I think right now the creature is on top of it. So I just had to share this with you. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. you got to keep the uh, the Monster Kid love going, you know, to the younger generations. And monster movies, horror movies today, you know, while there are some great ones, uh, for the most part, it just isn't the same. We need to spread the, the 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 word of the classic monster movies and and keep it going for the younger generations and i'm happy to report that my stepson is really getting into it and thanks to you and all the guests on your show so thanks very much keep it up take care oh man how cool is that that's what i'm talking about that is a parenting win right there and that's a big part of the reason why i do what i do here on monster kid radio i love these movies so much that I, I want to make sure that they're remembered and they're still relevant and just enjoyed by folks younger than me. You know, I don't have kids, made the decision that I'm not going to have kids, so I don't have my own children to pass this on to. So thank you, Eric, for uh, picking up the torch there and passing it on to your stepson. I think that's amazing. Shout out to Eric. Shout out to Eric's stepson if you happen to listen to this episode. And it's okay to like Creature from the Black Lagoon and the Wolfman. And to be completely honest with you, if Creature from the Black Lagoon wasn't out there, if it wasn't part of the monster movie verse... The Wolfman would be my favorite of all time because I absolutely love that movie as well. I did go through a period in my life where I was obsessed with all things Frankenstein, and I still kind of am. But Creature being my favorite film, my favorite franchise, my favorite monster, if not for Creature, I would put The Wolfman right up there because I love what Lon Chaney Jr. does with that role. I love the duality of the performance, the, the trapped man within the monster, and just his acting and the drama and all that. Plus, it's a cool monster design. It's one of the coolest werewolves that you'll ever see on screen. I know you've seen more realistic ones or whatever in more modern movies, but I love the way The Wolfman looks, and Jack Pierce's makeup is top-notch. You know, a lot of the movies these days, and I've been watching a lot more modern horror movies as of late, just to have something on in the background while I'm doing chores in the evening, like folding laundry or sweeping or dusting or whatever. And, you know, I've enjoyed some things, but really the stuff that I enjoy the most of the modern horror are the more low budget efforts out there, the lower budget, the more independent stuff. They just seem to have that feeling, that vibe of the classic horror movies a little bit. Uh, more on display. But of course, you know, I'm always going to go back to the classics. Always going to go back to the classics. And, you know, I'm glad that you're listening to the show on the way to school. I'm just, that's so awesome. 
Oh, man, that's just exciting. The Lovecraft episode was a lot of fun. It was kind of a spur-of-the-moment, last-minute thing, again, uh, and, and having Chris on board. You know, without Chris McMillan, I don't think Monster Kid Radio would be what it is today. He was on the very first episode, and, you know, he and I, our friendship goes back further than Monster Kid Radio. He was a supporter of my previous podcast work as well. And I can't think about Lovecraft movies without thinking about Chris and Dominique Lamsey's because the three of us are the ones that hang out the most together <laughs> at the Lovecraft Film Festival and, and all that. And that's just part of the identity that I, I have with those two folks. They're, they're amazing people otherwise, but uh, Haunted Palace, great film. You got Lon Chaney in there again. You got Vincent Price. You got some really good stuff in there. I'd say it's definitely a must-watch. It's got an excellent Blu-ray release courtesy of Shout Factory. It looks amazing, especially, and I think I mentioned this during that recording with Chris, that moment where he's having that nightmare. I guess it's kind of like a nightmare scene. I don't think it's an actual nightmare. Darn, I'll have to go back and watch the movie again to confirm. But there's kind of this nightmarish scene where Vincent Price is looking at all the inhabitants of the town, and they've all been kind of mutated and affected by whatever it is uh, that's happening in the haunted palace uh just the way the colors look it looks so good on blu-ray i i can't recommend it enough such a great film and, and you know i love doing this show you were talking about how life sometimes there's a lot of messy negative dark things in life and, and just having this bright spot called monster kid radio really does a lot for you and other people and really I'm going to be selfish here and say it does a lot for me, too, because I have a grand time doing this show. As you know, if you've been listening to the show for a while, I have been going through a lot here. I mean, we had the pandemic, sure, and it's still going pretty strong up here in Oregon, despite what a lot of the people in Oregon seem to uh, think based on their actions. But, you know, it's pretty bad up here in Oregon. Uh, but beyond that, I'm also going through the world's slowest and longest divorce. Fortunately, it's amicable. Fortunately, Brenda and I are still friends. And yeah, it took us a little while to get to this point. She wanted to be friends from the very beginning. I had to deal with my own garbage to get to this point. Uh, and, you know, it's still kind of, you know, smarts a little bit. But I'm moving on and... I'll be making an announcement here soon about the next steps of my personal life to anybody who wants to know. I may mention it here on the show. I'll be doing a YouTube video about it, and I'll probably mention it on Facebook as well. But yeah, you know, Monster Kid Radio is one of those things that just kept me going. Knowing that I had this consistent highlight, this spot of brightness filled with the best monsters and even better podcast listeners just really kept me going and you know i don't know if uh, what i would have done I, I don't know what i would have done if i didn't have the podcast so you know just being a little bit selfish there you know <laughs> i did it for me too but i'm glad to have you guys and gals i'm glad to have the monster kid radio gang to have all these friends out there that i'm doing it for as well eric thanks for calling in i appreciate it and like i said shout out to your stepson i hope you're having a good ride to school <laughs> Hey, Derek, Jeff Owens, long time no talk. You know, I always liked that Scott Morris guy putting Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde in his top five Hammer films. It's in my top five also, but probably at least one or two higher than number five. Love that movie and enjoy the conversation. Hope you're well. Take care. Bye. Jeff, 
you know, there are a lot of people in my life that I haven't been in the best contact with as I deal with the divorce and the depression that really has come along with that. And I did have a pretty massive, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, bout of depression, I guess, a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't stay in the best of touch. It's, it's not something that I've been really good at. And it's not just you, man. I, I've not been in touch with a lot of people, but Jeff's a great guy. He's a good friend. He's a fellow podcaster. He is knocking it out of the park with the Classic Horrors Film Club, which you can find over at ClassicHorror.club. The most recent episode, they're doing the devil's work with the Satanic September. Uh, they're going to talk about uh, the devil's reign. They're going to talk about the Brotherhood of Satan, Race with the Devil. At least those are the names listed in the show notes of the episode. I have to be honest, I haven't listened to it yet, but it is an episode that I want to because I listen to every episode of the Classic Horrors Club. And what the heck i'm gonna even play their promo here shortly even though they didn't pay for advertising i want to support them because they're good guys and i say them because it's jeff and rich chamberlain who's also you know longtime supporter of the show uh speaking of supporters of the show that's scott morris guy yeah i like him too he's a good dude he's a good dude you know good cat uh he is living it up right now in disney world which is something i know that he's been wanting to do for a long time he's being very safe uh he was gonna go when they had their medical stuff that he had to deal with and you know massive surgery and you know he's in really good shape these days uh, he's taking care of himself and working hard and I know that he and Tracy have been looking forward to this Disney trip for a very long time. I don't think they're going to listen to this until they get back. So I hope you two crazy monster kid, Mickey Mouse kids had a good time. Anyway, back to what you were talking about, Jeff. Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde is a solid, super solid Hammer film. And it is something that I recommend people check out once they get through the uh, traditional monsters over at the Hammer films side of things. You know, the Frankenstein's and Dracula's. I would probably recommend it after you watch the mummies, though, because the mummy films if you watch them in order in particular, can ease you from the classic 50s era and 60s era of Hammer into the 70s. And then you've got Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde waiting for you in the 70s as well. It's right there. Doing that episode with Scott, and if you go back and you listen to the episode, you'll hear me say that that was actually supposed to be an episode of the 1951 Downplays podcast that just pod faded. I didn't want to pod fade. I didn't want to be a pod fader, but that's what happened. But I had so much fun editing that episode, and it makes me think, despite the fact that I keep saying that I want to bring it back, we're going to bring it back, I really do want to do something on the downplays front again. I think I'm not going to do something as silly as saying when, because every time I do, I never hit that that goal. But it was a lot of fun to do, and it, it would be kind of neat to do another Hammer-centric project with Scott, just to have Scott on the regular. Anyway, he's a good dude. Good dude. And I appreciate him. Even though he's probably fired for something. I don't know what, but something. Jeff, you said that you would put this movie in your top five. I'm curious as to what your other top fives are and, and where this one falls in your top five. So, you know, if you're listening, maybe call back. Let me know. Hi, this is Jeff Owens from the Classic Horrors Club. And I'm Richard Chamberlain from kccinephile.com and monstermoviekid.wordpress.com. We'd like to invite you to attend the next monthly meeting of the Classic Horrors Club on the Phantom Podcast Network. We think you'll enjoy our show, 
But don't take our word for it. Let's ask some of our listeners what they think. Excuse me, sir. What did you say after listening to the Classic Chorus Club podcast? I'll never smile again. Wow, that's a little mean. How about you, sir? Would you recommend the Classic Horrors Club podcast? It would be very dangerous, not only for you, but for others. Well, we do talk about classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, but I don't think I'd call it dangerous. I think that's enough from our listeners. I've always said we have the, uh, best fans. Why don't you give us a try yourselves? We meet once a month during the Classic Horrors Club podcast on the Phantom Podcast Network, found at downrightcreepy.com or at classichorrors.club. Oh, wait, here's one more listener walking his pet. What do you think of the Classic Horrors Club podcast? There's the stink of hell on this train. Even the dog knows it. Hey, Derek, it's Robert from Record All Monsters uh, calling in to say a couple things. Uh, I heard you're having a feedback episode. First of all, you know I love your show. It was an inspiration to me uh, and what Record All Monsters would look like when I was starting it. And second of all, I mean, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks back, you were talking about you know trying to be more inclusive in your language, uh, using gang instead of guys and gals. Well, I, I fall into the guys and gals trap too a lot on my show, and someone suggested to me saying guys, gals, non-binary pals. And that way, if you do slip up and say guys and gals, you can slide that last one in. Uh, also, I just say y'all a bunch, but I'm from Texas, so. Um, I also wanted to thank you for reading the best, uh, score award at my little award show, start of the month. And for coming on this past season, we wrapped up our first season. We'll be bringing season two up back in November. And I hope to talk to you again real soon on both of our shows. So uh, thanks for all you do. And uh, I feel like I should congratulate you again for something. Anyway, uh, I, I just got the Blu-ray from Chad Factory of the Vampire and the Ballerina. I got that on pause. Got to get back to it. So see you around. You know, I tell people that Record All Monsters is one of my favorite new podcasts, but you've been going for a whole season, man. <laughs> time flies, especially this time. I don't know where I'm going with that. Record All Monsters. People, seriously, check this out. I know uh, he focuses a lot on like the giant monsters and the kaiju and all that, but really, it's so good. And you can't, I'm not going to get into all gatekeepery type of language, but I don't think you can be a monster kid if you don't have at least a little bit of respect, healthy respect for the big guys, for Godzilla, King Kong, Gorgo, all of them. And it's just a good show. It's very well done, very well thought out and produced. I am really eager for season two. And it kind of sort of act, sounded like that you were asking me to be on a show next season. I'm all in. And, you know, let me play something real quick. All the terror of the unknown reaches out from forgotten centuries. And a horror legend 2,000 years old comes alive as a hideous demon rises from the grave to bring a new high in horror to the motion picture screen. The Vampire and the Ballerina. 
no one is safe from this monster of the night, this creature from the crypt of the living dead who stalks the countryside in search of victims for his insatiable bloodlust. The Vampire and the Ballerina. Okay. The Vampire and the Ballerina? I don't know if you're covering it for your show or not. I don't know if you plan on covering it with anybody else on any other show or not. I have the Blu-ray. I've had the Blu-ray since it first came out, and I've never watched it. I've opened it up. I put it in the DVD collection. I've cataloged it. I've got it, and I never got around to watching it. I, I don't know how many movies I have here that I've not watched, but it's just one of those things I've been sitting on. I just watched that trailer. I just heard that trailer. You just heard that trailer. It sounds awesome. And if you're down, Robert, you want to come on over here and talk about it on Monster Kid Radio? Unless you're talking about it somewhere else, and then I don't want to, you know, steal your thunder or whatever. Also, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, I, I dig that. I could get down with that. I know I've slipped a few times and said guys and gals here in this podcast. It's going to be a tough habit to break. But I do like that as like a way to kind of save myself if I ever do find myself slipping and I don't want to go back and re-record something or I catch it later on or whatever. I like that. I am slowly trying to get to gang and uh, Jeff Polair actually said friends is just a good way to do it. Hello, friends. Not, hey, got you know, whatever. But yeah, I, I just, it's something that I'm, I'm working on. Uh, just in terms of how my language may impact others, you know? So thank you. I appreciate that. And keep up the good work. Really big fan of what you do to get back to that. Listeners, please head over to his link tree to find everything you need to know about Record All Monsters. Linktree, it's a great service. It's a place where you can put all the different things that you're involved with. Just have one central hub. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E and then slash whatever. In this case, it's slash listen to record all monsters. Pretty easy, right? Or just go to the link tree for record all monsters. So again, it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash record all monsters. And you'll find all the links for everything record all monsters. You know, where to listen, the website, the Twitter, the Facebook, the Instagram, the YouTube. It's all there. So go check it out and show him a little bit of love because it's a great show. It's a really good show. Thanks again, man. Attention, cities of the world. Our planet may be doomed. Our Earth may be devastated. The monsters are in revolt, and civilization is in chaos. New York, Moscow, London, and Beijing are under attack. Forces of annihilation have been amassed against us. Let our common war cry be heard. Record all monsters! Hello, I'm Robert Kelly, and... You heard that right. Record All Monsters, a bi-weekly podcast about giant monster movies where my friends, family, and some special guests and I go through the genre's history film by film. In our upcoming second season, starting November 12th, we'll be going through the 1966 and 7 kaiju boom, all the way up to the end of the original Godzilla Showa series. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Join us on Record All Monsters. Listening may not save the world. Though I take that chance. Hey Derek, hey Monster Kid listeners, this is Steve Sullivan calling for a further report on Invasion of the Body Snatchers. As you may recall, I started reading the book, and it's a really good book. And aside from the weird fact that it dates itself as 1976, though it came out around 20 years earlier with the movie, 
Uh, I think that might be because they may have updated it for the re-release movie and never fixed it back. Anyway, aside from that, it's very much like the original movie. They flee from the the uh, invading pod people. They climb around through the town. The descriptions of the town in the the book really seem to fit well with what we see in the movie. There's a similar struggle in the doctor's office, and uh, it all goes fairly much according to the screenplay, right up until you get near the end, and then it veers off in a completely different direction, which I think is probably just as valid. And I understand why you would do it maybe one way in the book from the time and then a different way in the the movie that's maybe trying to make some other points. Anyway, it's really interesting, and I would highly recommend Invasion of the Body Snatchers or Body Snatchers, whatever they're calling the edition you happen to get. It's it's good. It's worth reading. Like reading Inva- the uh, the Day of the Triffids. It was really interesting to see how to compare it to the the films. Love the show about Lovecraft. My favorite is probably the Call of Cthulhu that the Historical Society did. Though anything with Lovecraft is good, and I think it's really important that all of us are taking the good stuff away from H.P. Lovecraft's work and not the xenophobia and that kind of not so good stuff. It's really interesting that almost every god from outer space now has tentacles, and that's either Cthulhu or Yogg-Sothoth or one of the other Lovecraftian monsters. Saw it twice on recent what-if shows for Marvel's uh, what-if on Disney+. Plus. Tentacled gods from beyond are the standard thing. Anyway, great to hear more about what you liked in terms of Lovecraft movies. Finally, the Monster Sharks on a Nude Beach is progressing. There will be a new chapter out either this Friday or Saturday. The long weekend may have bumped it to Saturday. Usually it'll be Friday. People can pick that up and read it on their their iThings, their iPhones and iPads, I believe, and regular computers as well. So there you go, buffbeats.com. But you knew that. That's it for now. Steve Sullivan signing off. I'm definitely curious to read the book. But as I kind of hinted at earlier, so many books, so little time. You know, if I didn't have to sleep, I'd like to think I'd spend that time reading. But we all know I'd end up doing podcasting stuff or watching a monster. But I don't know. Reading, though, I I love reading, too. Thanks for letting us know how the book goes, man. (laughs) I appreciate it. Lovecraft stuff. Yeah, that Call of Cthulhu by the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society done as a silent film, they really, really nailed it. They really did nail the aesthetic of the silent film, and and I dig it. It's not in my top three, but it's pretty darn close. And you're right. You know, I hadn't really thought about it too much, but when it comes to otherworldly or old god-type stuff, Tentacles comes up all the time. Why is it now Tentacles? I mean, it's Lovecraft, but... Huh. I'm trying to think of, I can't think. Hmm. Yeah, I guess he just set the uh, tentacle standard. The stand tentacle. I can't make a word out of that. But yeah, he made he set the standard. <laughs> and yeah, it's really important to take the uh, the good and acknowledge, but don't absorb or abdo- adopt the bad. There there are some issues, some some really significant issues in the subtext and in some cases blatantly 
in a lot of Lovecraft stuff, but we run into that in all of this old media, whether we're reading something from the thirties, whether we're watching a movie from the forties, we run into that. And I think as monster kids, I think as consumers of media, we know better that we can take the good while acknowledging the bad, but not really giving the bad power. I don't know if I'm making much sense here. I've been sitting here for a little over an hour going through all this feedback. So I'm feeling a little punchy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mm. Lovecraft's got some good stuff. There's also some bad. That's all I'll say, I guess. And, you know, unfortunately, that tradition continues to this day. But that's something I don't want to talk about just yet because I don't have all the details. But there are certain publishers that, you know what? Let's go back to talking about monster movies, huh? Uh, I think it was Eric who was saying earlier, monster movies and all the good stuff, all the good things in life, monster movies and all the good things in life. Let's talk about that instead here on the show, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, like all the movies that have come up during this feedback chat, and like Steve's link, buffbeach.com, to get involved with uh, his Summer Reads project. Go check that out. I'll make sure there's a link in the show notes, of course. Hey, Derek, it's Tom Gerganis. I'm just calling with some feedback. Let's start with the Invasion of the Body Snatchers episode. I enjoyed both of them. I had only recently seen all the way through the 78 version, so it was really fun listening to you guys talk about it. And uh, you bringing up some points that I had not thought about that, you know, maybe uh, Nimoy's character was uh, had been duplicated throughout the whole movie and the other that this could be seen as a sequel to the original, which I thought was a really interesting idea. And I like that a lot. Um, but let's go back to the original. Uh, this is probably in my top. This is absolutely in my top 10 movies of all time and my top three horror movies of all time. I love the original invasion of the body snatchers. It's a, a perfect movie in my mind. Kevin McCarthy's fantastic. Dana Winter is just amazing. The whole cast is is super fantastic. And the writing and directing is just top-notch. I I don't have enough to say about it. It's so very, very good. Uh, And I was really happy to see Steve talk to you about it. He was the person I would have picked to chat about that movie. So uh, really, really happy that you finally have watched it and filled that hole that you've been needing to fill for so long. And this is a, a genre that I really like, this subgenre of, you know, the aliens taking over people. You know, you see that in Invasion from Mars and uh, The Faculty and a couple other ones. Uh, Brain Eaters, The Brain Eaters. That's a really, really good, sneaky little movie. Uh, let's see. Let's move up to the Lovecraft episode. I enjoyed that a lot. I've only recently started reading Lovecraft and enjoyed uh, Shadow Over Innsmouth quite a bit. I've read Mountains of Madness, which is a lot harder to read, but still enjoyable. So it was good to hear you talk about some films that I hadn't heard about before. Dagon is one I'm going to have to check out. but And I've watched uh, Die, Monster, Die in the past, but need to revisit that one. The the standout to me, though, is uh, Haunted Palace. I watched it a couple months ago, and it's just fantastic. Uh, Vincent Price is amazing in that movie, uh, doing the, the dual roles and everything, and has a solid cast behind him. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's an 
excellent, excellent movie. And speaking of Lovecraft, things in film on Lovecraft, I don't know if you've seen it or not, but you should check out Disney's Atlantis to Milo's Return. Uh, this was a, a movie compiled from uh, some proposed episodes from a series they were going to do or may have actually ran. Uh, it's four, four short little stories, but the first one is all Lovecraft. Uh, this is the writers and the animators and directors tribute to him, and it is absolutely cool. So check out Atlantis to Milo's Return. Um, the whole crew, Milo and Keita and the whole crew come back and are basically doing X-Files kind of stuff. So check that out. The first episode's great for Lovecraft. Let's move on to Dr. Jekyll's sister Hyde. Don't have a lot to say about it. I haven't seen it yet, but I really want to because I want to see um, Martine Beswick in a uh, leading role. Had seen her in handle a big juicy part before, so I want to check that out. Uh, listening currently to Let's Kill Uncle, so we're gonna get some feedback later on that. Uh, I just want to thank Mark for the fantastic contributions he's doing. Um, I bought. The Ultra Q Blue set based off of listening to the Ultra Q episodes and have Ultraman first series in the, the Amazon wish list because I'm enjoying watching that a lot also. So thanks for that. And Kenny, thank you as always for taking us down Monster Memory Lane. Uh, I've loved FM since back in the 1970s. I think is when I start reading it. Uh, and it's really great to hear some of that stuff. I want to make a quick comment for Monster Kid Movie Club, Monster Kid Astronomy Club. Derek, I really, really enjoyed Transatlantic Tunnel. That was a super find, and I'm really happy that you uh, showed that. It was an amazing movie. I'm going to revisit it. It was the visuals in, in that and the story were just uh, fantastic. So thank you for that. And as always, I will see you over in Monster Kid Movie Club chat. Thanks again, Derek, for all that you do for us Monster Kids. This is Tom Gerganis signing off. Covered a lot of ground in that, Tom. So uh, first of all, by the time you're hearing this, listeners, there is a chance that I'm actually recording this very second with Tom about the ghost in the invisible bikini. So stay tuned for that. If all goes off without a hitch, that's what you're going to hear next week here on the show. So you made a lot of comments about a lot of things. Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I'm so glad that I finally watched it. The original film, it's so good. It's one that I want to go back to and revisit. It's got some great performances. The direction is great. I love the little town. Just everything about that movie is near perfect for me. As far as the 78 version goes, yeah, I find myself thinking about it. And yeah, I'd like to revisit it too. But I feel like the strong pull that I have to rewatch the original isn't there for the 78 version. I think Leonard Nimoy does a great job in that. It's fun to see him in a non-Spock 70s science fiction movie. Uh, it was kind of fun. And the performances are good, but I, I'm always going to go back to the original just because I'm that kind of guy, you know. Uh, Nimoy, speaking of Nimoy, I believe he turns up in the Brain Eaters. And I actually, I cut this out. I probably should have just left it in since I'm going to address it here. The Brain Eaters is something that I've been wanting to talk about here on the show for a very, very long time. And I know, Tom, you've been wanting to talk about it. I've got a handful of people that have been wanting to talk about it. But I've had it earmarked and set aside for my friend Joe Schultz 
for years now. And Joe's been going through some stuff. I mean, he's fine. I don't mean to make it sound dire, but Joe's been going through some things that have kind of upended some things in his life. So he wasn't available to do a lot of things uh, around my schedule and then vice versa with all the things going on in my life with the divorce and everything else that's coming up. Stay tuned. I'm going to talk about that here in a little bit. So I do have the brain eaters kind of sitting on deck for Joe. And there's a very specific reason for that one. He loves the movie and you know, he approached me about it years ago, but there's something else too, when it comes to the brain eaters, stay tuned for that. I may manifest itself as a regular episode of monster kid radio. It may manifest itself as something else completely different, but stay tuned. Okay. Just stay tuned for that. The uh, Atlantis 2, Milo's Return, never seen it. I barely remember the first film. I am a little more interested now that you say it's got some Lovecraftian stuff in it. Real curious to explore that, you know, because I don't have enough movies to watch. <laughs> One of my absolute favorite things when it comes to producing Monster Kid Radio is getting segments from people. I love getting feedback. So like these voicemails have been awesome or getting recordings from Kenny and his look at Famous Monsters of Filmland and Mark Matsky's Beta Capsule Review. They are a highlight of my week when they turn up in my Facebook messenger or my email. I just am thrilled by the work that they do. They make Monster Kid Radio better. Back when uh, Professor Green or Dr. Tongue were doing segments for the show, that was incredibly cool too, and I loved getting those moments. So, yeah, I mean, I I'm glad that people are enjoying them, and Mark knows his Ultraman. He really does. And now that things are starting to be, I don't know, a little more settled on my end, hopefully here soon, I can get with Mark and we can finally do that Ultra Kaiju episode we've been talking about. For those of you who don't know, and I talk about this now pretty much every week, the Monster Kid Movie Club and the Monster Kid Astronomy Club, that's our Twitch channel where you can come and watch movies for free with a incredible, with an incredible community. There's a free chat, uh, a live chat that goes on the entire time while we're watching movies. So on Tuesday, we call that the Astronomy Club because historically we were doing science fiction movies there. We've kind of broadened that a little bit. Now we do a lot of serials and that sort of thing. That's on Tuesday. At 4 p.m. Pacific, we start the movies. It goes till about 8 p.m. And then typically there is a shorter period of time after that where Jeff Polar and I talk about a Star Trek episode or something. There's a pre-show at 3.30 p.m. On Saturday, though, that's the big day where we do the Monster Kid Movie Club. There's been a lot of themes that we've been doing lately. This weekend is John Agar Day. We're going to be doing a lot of John Agar films coming up. And that starts at noon and that goes till eight-ish or so at night, depending on how many movies we program. There's usually a contest to uh, win something like we, we set up a little drawing uh, set up for like a Monster Kid Radio t-shirt or something from Stuff with Character, that sort of thing. There's also a cool pre-show typically put together by Scott, the aforementioned Scott Morris. Uh, that happens about an hour before the movies start at noon. This is all Pacific time. Just go to twitch.tv slash monsterkidradio. It's free to follow the channel. If you follow the channel, you can get an email every time I go live. But you can typically count on a Tuesday or Saturday screening. At least that's what we've been doing. I'm going to talk a little bit about those events and streaming later on in this episode. Transatlantic Tunnel is a great, great movie. Oh, it's so good. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. See, that's the kind of stuff you can get when you hop on Twitch with us twice a week. So 
Tom, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to talking about the ghost in the invisible bikini with you soon. Oh, hey. And before we move on, confession time. I've never seen the original Invaders from Mars. I know. I'm terrible, aren't I? Gee whiz! Invaders from Mars. He saw them land from outer space. He saw them capture innocent people only to destroy. Father turned against son. People changed into strange, weird animals. A general of the army becomes a saboteur. Trusted police turned into arsonists. The boy's parents changed into killers. Hi, Derek and fellow Monster Kid Radio listeners. This is Jason, also known as Alucard Dragomir. I just wanted to call in really quick and just express how much I really enjoy Monster Kid Radio, man. I know as a podcaster myself how much work goes into these things. And so I've been meaning to send this for months. But I just want to say thank you to you, Derek M. Cook, for all you do to make us Monster Kids happy. Um, I just, I love classic horror movies, man. I grew up watching the original Universal films, and I just have a love for those. And then I discovered Hammer Horror films in my teenage years. And thanks to your podcast, I am discovering many other classic horror gems. So, man, uh, please keep doing what you do, and uh, I thank you so much. I also wanted to comment on the most recent episode, episode 537, a Night at Weird Wednesday. This was a great episode, and I have not seen this particular El Santo film, but what I have seen of El Santo, I really enjoy. And I'm also a wrestling fan, so I just wanted to say that I totally agree with you that these guys are legitimate athletes. Uh, yes, the matches are scripted or whatever you want to say. Derek, I know you have a great appreciation for pro wrestling, uh, as do I. I can't keep up with everything these days because there's so much of it. But I feel like there is this weird connection, at least for me, between pro wrestling and horror movies. Probably because I grew up with both. But, you know, I've seen some other films that have also included wrestling and horror. So I don't know, man. Maybe it's not just us. But yeah, man, I also just want to say, you know, I know you've had some rough times. But man, please keep your chin up. Uh, You're an awesome dude. Uh, You've always been super kind to me on Facebook and in the the chat room when I can join on Saturdays. And I want to say thank you for that. Please keep doing what you're doing. But as long as it's not stressful to you, because, you know, your health is most important. And I think that goes for for all the monster kids out there. And, you know, hey, man, if if an episode doesn't go up for a week or whatever, I I think all the listeners, everyone would totally understand because, you know, it's life, man. You got to do what you got to do. But uh, sending good vibes out to you. Thank you again for all you do, and um, I'll talk to you guys later. You forgot to say something. You forgot to tell people about your podcast. It's the United Nations of Horror Podcast over at unhpodcast.com. 
listeners, go check it out. Uh, it does a great job. Uh, I'm a little behind, but I do subscribe to the show, and I recommend it. And, you know, the connection between horror and wrestling, it goes pretty far back. I mean, going all the way back to at least The Undertaker in the 80s in WWE, but then, you know, you had Abyss in a TNA Impact, and, you know, even today you've got characters like Abaddon in all elite wrestling. And I don't know what it is that maybe it's because both horror movies and wrestling can be a spectacle and there's the connection. I don't know. I like it though. I like having that connection and uh, it just makes me happy when the two worlds collide. Cause I am a huge pro wrestling fan. If I had more time and more money and less need for sleep, I would do a wrestling podcast. Cause I'm that kind of guy. Um, <laughs> You know, the Luchador movies are just a blast. And the best part about them, I think, is when you can watch them with friends. It's just a treat. And, you know, I appreciate the support that you throw my way. You know, I I know that everybody out there would understand if I needed to take a break or take a week off for mental health. And, and I, I have done that once or twice over the years where I needed to take a week off. But the show is what kind of keeps me going, too, sometimes. And I don't mind staying up till 2 o'clock in the morning Wednesday night to make sure there's a show out there for people to download Thursday morning. It's just who I am and what I do, or at least it's who I've been and what I've done. And, uh, you know, I keep talking or, or kind of alluding to that there may be some changes coming, and we're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, as we wind down the show. Thanks for calling in, everybody. Thanks for writing in, everybody. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you. So sometime between recording the written feedback section and going through the voicemail feedback, I got another email, and I wanted to include it in this week's episode, so here we go. Hey, D-Man, it's your old Uncle Swampy coming to you from the Bog Shack down in Sherwood, Oregon. Of course, I enjoy all the episodes of Monster Kid Radio, but I especially like the shows where you co-host with recurring guests like Stephen D. Sullivan, Gris McMillan, and Scott Morris. Listening to you chat with the MKR Inner Circle is like hanging out with old friends, and it reemphasizes for me that you didn't just create a podcast, you created a community. Man, thank you for saying that. Speaking of Stephen D. Sullivan, I was gobsmacked to find out that he had a letter published in the Incredible Hulk comic book back in the mid-1970s, and that I remembered that letter. He was decrying the fact that Betty Ross transformed from an unclothed monster called the Harpy back into her human form and was inexplicably dressed again. I'm going to have to see if I still have that issue stashed away and have Steven autograph it. It just goes to show that it's a small monster kid world after all. Cheers, Unc. Uncle Swampy. Yeah, um, Steve is... Uh, you know, a long time, old time. I'm not going to say old timer. That makes him sound old. He's not old, but uh, he, he was a letter hack. He's one of these guys that would write into the comics all the time. And, you know, I always thought that would be an interesting way to kind of get my name known out there. But by the time I thought of it, letter columns really dried up. Uh, I, but I know a lot of people who would go on to have creative careers would have their names turn up in letter columns to comic books or horror magazines, monster magazines, things like that. Shoot, there is an issue of Cinefantastique that has a letter of mine. I don't remember what issue it was. All I remember about it is that they answered my question 
and I tried to use the fact that my letter appeared in the magazine to get a discount on that issue of Cinefantastique when I tried to buy it at the local Walden Books back in the day. They didn't give me a discount, but they thought it was great that I was in the magazine. Anyway. You know, I'm going to reiterate this. I know I said it earlier. I did not put the call for feedback for a bunch of attaboys and good jobs and all that, but I'll take it. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate it. I really do. It means a lot to know that, man, I keep, I sound like a broken record. So thank you is all I'm going to say. Thanks for writing in. And thanks to everybody who called in as well. Now, I don't plan on doing another feedback specific episode in the near future. However, I would like to start incorporating feedback into the regular episode. So if you have any feedback for the show, well, monsters in the machine, go ahead and let them know how they can get a hold of us. You can call and leave a voicemail for monster kid radio at five zero three eight one zero five MKR. That's five zero three eight one zero five six five seven. Or you can send an email to the podcast. MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com is the email address. That's MonsterKidRadio at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging out with us during this feedback special. Uh, This was a fun episode to put together, not just because everybody was saying nice things about Monster Kid Radio, but um, (laughs) it's just great to hear from everybody. And I know I played the contact information earlier. I'm going to play it again here in a little bit. But you can find our contact information over at monsterkidradio.net. That's our website where you're going to find everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio. Between episodes, everything's there. Our contact information, our Facebook page, our Facebook group, our Twitter, our Discord, our Reddit. It's all over there. Links to our Twitch, as well as Amazon affiliate links. If you wanted to buy any of the movies or anything that you've heard talked about in this episode of Monster Kid Radio, please consider using one of the Amazon affiliate links to do so, because when you do that, you help us out a little bit here. I've even got a special link set up. It's the Frankenstein monster. You can't miss it. It will take you just directly to Amazon and then you type in whatever you're looking for. It's, it's just the Amazon search engine. It's, you know, something I've got set up there as well. And just every little bit helps. Every little bit helps, especially now. So there's a couple of things coming up or not coming up, as the case may be, uh, that I wanted to share with you. First of all, Lovecraft came up quite a bit during this episode. And I, I know we are in the time of year where Lovecraft really becomes a big thing we talk about here on the show because it is the time of year for the Lovecraft Film Festival and Cthulhu Con. That has happened every year here for, I mean, as long as I've lived here. And it's a very special, a very important event to me. Last year, the event didn't happen as normal because of the pandemic. They did a streaming program that I did not participate in. Um, It was the first year in I'd say at least 15, if not longer years, I'm sure it's longer, that I did not do Lovecraft. And I think that kind of helped me kind of define or redefine my relationship with Lovecraft and my my being a fan of, of Lovecraft's work. I talked a little bit about this on the stream this past Tuesday during a live freestyle chat that took place in lieu of the Star Trek episode discussion that I normally do with Jeff uh, Polaire. I wanted so desperately to be part of the Lovecraft Film Festival community when I first moved here to Portland. I wanted to be one of the cool kids so badly 
I did everything that I thought I needed to do to get accepted into that group. I made a short film. I volunteered. I made myself available. I promoted on my podcasts. I was a panelist. I did all sorts of things. And I never got invited to the brunches. You know, I never got invited to a lot of these things. And that's okay. Because I know now in retrospect, I was coming off as a little desperate. And I don't fault anybody but myself for any of this. So please don't think this is sour grapes or anything towards them. Because what Andrew Migliori started with the Lovecraft Film Festival and what Brian and Gwen Callahan have continued with the Lovecraft Film Festival is nothing short of uh, an eldritch miracle uh, that they were able to make this happen and make it happen during a year in which the theaters were closed. They were successful enough to keep the festival going, and it's happening this year in a slightly different way. It's going to be happening at the Hollywood Theater at the beginning of October as normal, but what's not normal is it's only going to be one screen. It's not going to have any panels, my understanding anyways, that it's not going to have any panels that weekend. Uh, it's just going to be a one-track kind of thing, you know, show up, sit down in one movie theater, uh, one screen, and watch the movies, and that's that. And, you know, bonus, it's the first time in years that you're guaranteed to catch every single movie if you go. Then the following weekend, they're going to be doing a streaming version of the festival in which uh, they're going to show as many movies as they possibly can during uh, the streaming weekend. Not all the movies. I don't know if they were able to get the rights to all the movies, the streaming rights to all the movies they're showing during the physical weekend. But then they're also going to be doing some panels and things like that. I'm not going to this year's festival. I just, I can't. Uh, like I said, I, I've kind of redefined my relationship with the fandom of Lovecraft. Uh, I love so many of the people that go to the Lovecraft Film Festival. And I have made some very dear, very close. And I'm going to venture a guess here. I'm just going to kind of tell the future a little bit and say lifelong friends. Um, I, I can't imagine some of the people that I've made friends with either because of or through the Lovecraft uh, Film Festival. I, I can't imagine these people aren't going to be in my life in a very, for a very long time. They're, they're amazing people. But I don't feel like I have to go and run myself ragged and see every single movie and get involved in every single panel and spend uh, money that I shouldn't be spending. And just I just I don't feel like I have to do that to define myself as a fan. And yeah, I don't know if I'm making much sense here. So let me just kind of bring it down to the, the, re, uh, the reality of the situation, the logistics of the situation. Am I going to miss it? Yes, of course I am. But financially, I, I can't go. Uh, I just don't see it being within the cards uh, for me. Also, there's the whole health thing. I know parts of the country are opening up, but you know, the fact is we're still in a pandemic. I have asthma. I have diabetes. I'm not in the best of shape. So I am still vulnerable. I know that the theaters here in Portland, a lot of them, including the Hollywood and the Joy Cinema, our weird Wednesday happens for the record, have uh, instituted a proof of vaccine or vaccination policy, you have to have proof of vaccination or the results of a recent COVID-19 test showing that you don't have the COVID. And I, I think that's great. But I keep going back to that festival that or that convention that happened in Seattle where they did similar things and they did everything right. And 
16 people still got sick. And I just, I can't do it, man. I can't get sick and I can't afford it. So I'm not going to go to the festival. I may get involved in the streaming weekend, the following weekend, depending on what's happening with the panels. I haven't submitted anything though. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. What bums me out a little bit is that Nick Brown from the B movie cast and his wife, Fiona are going to be here for the festival because one of their movies uh, that Nick produced is going to be in the festival. Uh, hopefully I can spend some time with him outside of all things Lovecraft, but you know, I wish him the best and I'd love to be there to support him, but I just, I can't. I know that I've been talking a lot about money here on the show and I hope I'm not turning people off or putting people off or making people think the wrong thing. I, I don't, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to make it as a podcaster professionally. I know that's not the case. I know that doesn't work. I do have a Patreon and that does help a little bit. And I talk about the Amazon affiliates and, you know, the donations that we get on Twitch when we do the Twitch things. Those are all great too. And I appreciate it because the bottom line is I've not been working. I haven't had a quote unquote real job. And as I try to move on with my life, I find that interviewers aren't overly impressed when I answer their questions about the lack of work history on my resume uh, when I say things like, well, I've been self-employed kind of sort of for the past two and a half years or whatever. So I've got to get a real job. And I, I think I've got one coming. Uh, somebody here on the show has actually helped steer somebody in my direction and vice versa. And once I get all the paperwork, I haven't gotten it yet, but once I've gotten all the paperwork and I've signed everything, I will be doing a work from home customer service job, which is awesome especially since I'm moving. Finally worked all of that out too. Still not ready to talk too much publicly about it, but that's going to be happening over the next month. The job thing will be taking place starting maybe as early as next week. A lot of things are starting to happen. A lot of moving pieces are finally unclogging and getting moving. What does that mean for the podcast? What does that mean for the stream? What does that mean for anything else? Podcast isn't going anywhere. It's always going to happen. I can produce the podcast anytime and still get it out to you. The streams, however, they may change a little bit. The work schedule that I was told about doesn't give me Tuesdays or Saturdays off. And those are the days the streams typically take place. Now, I may still be able to program the stream, hit start, set it and forget it and call it good, and still provide you with the movies that you've come to know and love on the Monster Kid Movie Club Twitch channel. I just wouldn't be able to be live during those uh, streams or appear on screen and interact with you live. I don't think, I, I can't imagine it would work, but we'll see. Things are kind of in flux, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, my main computer is where I'm going to be doing the work, so I'm going to be trying to run the streams off of a laptop connected to Wi-Fi as opposed to hardwired into my router. We'll see how that goes too. The Patreon, I want to get to that real quick because in October, which is a week away, oh man, September just flew by. Next month, I'm changing things up. I'm going to try to update the Patreon page within the next seven days so you can make a decision as to whether or not you want to be a patron moving forward. I'm going to slim down. I'm going to strip back some of the uh, levels and rewards and just make it real easy for you to support the show. Going to keep it real simple. 
I'm going to make the rewards real simple. And yeah, I mean, that's just something that I feel like I have to do to maintain Monster Kid Radio. And hopefully, you know, with Patreon support, as well as the quote unquote real job and everything else, I'll be able to move forward with my life comfortably and make things work. I'm grateful for the real, I keep calling it the real job. I'm grateful for the opportunity to work for somebody and to have regular income coming from a regular company, a regular company. Of course, I'd like to be self-sufficient as a content creator, which is why I've been starting to ramp up some of my YouTube stuff and writing and everything else. It's just the hustle, you know, I've got to keep the hustle going and I appreciate all of the support that you've given me while I hustle. Now, this Saturday, I mentioned it at the top of the show. The Saturday is going to happen. The stream's going to happen. It's John Agar Day. We're going to be showing nothing but John Agar films. Between films, I'll show some John Agar trailers. I don't know what the pre-show is going to be because Scott Morris is out of town still. So he's not going to be able to produce the pre-show this time around. I I don't know what I'm going to put in there for that slot. But I'll, I'll try to come up with something. And then we've got the John Agar films rolling for sure. That's not in question or in doubt or anything. So come back to twitch.tv or go to twitch.tv slash monster kid radio on Saturday. 11 AM is the pre-show. Assuming I get one put together and noon is when the movies start at specific time, of course. And you're going to see some John Agar goodness, because as we all know, John Agar rules. So say the dead Elvi. And so says I, <laughs> Next week on the show, it is going to be the Ghost in the Invisible Bikini. As of this recording right now, I will be recording with Tom Greganus in, let's see, doing the math. 15 and a half hours from now, I'll be recording with him, which will give me a week to edit the program and put it out there for everybody. I'm looking forward to it. It was a fun watch, something that I had not seen before. And uh, yeah, I have things to say. I'm assuming Tom does as well. So it'll be fun to catch up with him and chat about the ghost in the invisible bikini next week. What's coming up after that? Uh, It might be spider baby with Chris Franklin. I think maybe stay tuned or just watch monsterkidradio.net or Facebook or Twitter or everywhere else. We blab about monster kid radio online. Okay. I want to go ahead and wrap this up and get this out to everybody. So until next week, remember, Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution on commercial no derivatives 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Syntax Radio. That is copyright Black Transmitter. You can find them over at blacktransmitter.bandcamp.com. Check out the EP called Init Signal Return, or is it I-N-I-T Signal Return? Either way, follow the link in the show notes. Pick up the EP for five bucks. Check out their work. Let them know that you heard about them here on Monster Kid Radio. My name is Tara Kim Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week where I myself might be wearing an invisible bikini. Ciao. They've been coming here ever since 1946 when the scientists first started bouncing radar beams off of the moon.